business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's exactly 10 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. My apologies for last week. I uh, was really down with the cold. Seems like everybody in this part of the world is really suffering from the colds and flu. I hope everybody in South Africa is keeping well. I suppose it's summer. It's a little bit easier not to get a cold and flu. But uh, please take the preventive, um, the preventive measures you need to to make sure that winter comes in, you don't get it because it's it's really affected a lot of people negatively. Yeah. Besides the downgrade of uh, sovereign debt in Israel, which was a bit of a shock this week, South Africa is looking forward eagerly to the budget by the Minister of Finance, Minister Gondwana, on the 21st of February next week. So we've got just over a week and the budget's going to be announced. In my mind, this budget is absolutely crucial besides the budget being crucial and important on its own standing on its own merits doing what it needs to do we've got a country going to the polls not only is it going to the polls but it looks like it's going to be a watershed poll coming up all of a sudden you've got an emergence of new political parties with very very strong political players like the previous um, minister um, Tabo, Tabo Mbeki, not Tabo Mbeki, uh, sorry, um, I've gone blank for a minute, it's embarrassing, excuse me for that, but new parties coming through to Jacob Zuma, sorry about that, and you have got the ANC in decline together with the country in turmoil, growth predictions are very, very low, infrastructure is not what it needs to be in order to accommodate growth and you've got a voting popu- uh, um, uh, voting population that is very, very concerned about things going forward. The general voting population today is very different to what it was in 1993-94 and any time prior to this now. You just need to listen to what's going on around the country politically, understand the emergence of a youth that is very afraid with what's going on, very afraid with not only the local picture, but the world picture. It gives the minister a really, really tough job. So on that note, I'm very happy to welcome Philip Yobay, who's a manager at the South African Institute of Professional Accountants, the Center of Tax Excellence. Philip, welcome to Chai FM. Good afternoon, Ali. Thank you. Great. Philip, if you wouldn't mind just increasing your volume a little bit or coming a little bit closer to the mic, that would be great. Um, Philip, is this going to be a really tough budget? Every budget is tough, but does this one have particularly different um, mechanisms built into it for the minister going forward? I think most definitely. Um, One of the biggest things that we've seen recently, um, and especially since the minister's uh, medium-term budget policy statement or the mini-budget that is usually delivered at the end of October, that South Africa has been sitting with a potential debt spiral. Now, at the moment, um, South Africa needs funds to to invest in certain projects, to do certain things, pay their salaries, pay the social wage, um, 
all of that, and our revenue collections have been quite down. Now, the options available to the minister and to the to government in order to fund these projects, the desperately needed infrastructure development, uh, sorting out our logistics issues with Transnet, um, the ports, all of that, um, we need the funds for it. And the only way they can get that is either by raising taxes, uh, increasing borrowings, or decreasing spending. Now, if you look at decreasing spending, that is something that our government has been struggling with. Uh, prior to the mini budget, um, Treasury did announce various cost-cutting measures and all of that, but it doesn't necessarily mean it has the impact that um, we as the public need. Now, raising uh, taxes, that is going to be exceptionally difficult to implement. Uh, there are some mechanisms in place that government can use to their benefit, um, but for the most part, it will be and I'm not a political commentator, but I personally believe that it will be uh, suicide for any sitting government to increase taxes uh, just before an election. Correct. Um, the, the quickest way to increase our tax revenue is to increase VAT. And VAT will, for example, hit the poorest the hardest, uh, being a regressive tax. In other words, you spend more of a proportion of your income on a specific tax. So VAT is definitely... Out of the question if you want to raise the VAT increase there must be some major trade-offs that will benefit the poor and increasing the zero rating basket for example will not necessarily have that desired effect um, other measures that government have for example is um, looking at what is already in place as the so-called wealth taxes your capital gains tax donations tax uh, transfer duties dividends withholding tax the the government have has got a bit more of a room to play around with um, without necessarily affecting the general populace that will be going to the polls. It's a much smaller community of people. You know, Philip, and unfortunately, the easiest way to get tax out of a population is by economic growth. The more growth you have, the better companies do, the more tax they pay, the more people they employ, the more tax they pay. So South Africa is really in a difficult place with almost no economic growth and a dwindling tax-paying population together with revenues being down for corporates. Um, it doesn't really leave much space except for to cut spending. And we know that the biggest chunk of government spending is salaries. And um, as you said, that would be almost suicidal to start tampering with that or even to start whispering about tampering with that prior to election. So the government doesn't really have too much place to move. No, and unfortunately that it puts us back into the third option being borrowings. Um, uh, I heard on the radio this morning coming, driving into the office, uh, there's an economist that predicted by 2030, um, our debt to GDP ratio will be sitting at 80% come uh, 2030 where emerging markets like ours is supposed to be averaging at about 60%. So that throws us again into that whole debt spiral. Um, South Africans are well aware of the debt spirals when you start borrowing money from Paul to pay Peter, and you're just not getting out of it. You keep on borrowing more and more and more. Now, that is actually quite in contrast to what the minister announced in the 2023 budget last year, when they predicted by 2030 we'll be actually sitting with a primary budget surplus. So um, government uh, government revenue, less government expenses before any debt payments. And that would have been great because now we're sitting with extra cash, we can get rid of the 
debt's a lot quicker. In our current position, that's definitely not the case. We're going to be struggling for a while. And we need these funds to invest in proper infrastructure. Um, I don't have to mention ESCOM and the amount of money that's needed to get ESCOM properly off the ground, that we've got infrastructure that can provide stable electricity. That that will have, if we can, that will obviously have a ripple effect with our businesses being able to open um, during all hours of trading. Uh, there won't be thousands of, or millions of rands being spent on diesel. Um, that will help the green economy as well because we're not putting as emissions. The ripple effect of doing it properly will be substantial, but we need to get it right. Otherwise, we will just go further down. You know, Philip, I, I, I'm sitting here and just sort of hearing the little devil sitting on both shoulders saying to me, <coughs> excuse me, um, if they haven't got it right till now, we all know the situation is not improving. If anything, it's getting worse. It should have improved because so many people are off the grid. In fact, a whole subsection of uh, service providers has spawned over the last couple of years, and yet government haven't got it right. But that is the lay of the land. That is how things lie now. But we need to take a break in a minute. But before we go, maybe just give us an opening as to what you think the budget will look like in broad strokes going forward. So in short, we can look at, I want to say, a relatively stable VAT rate. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the VAT will be complete suicide if you want to start increasing rates there. Um, corporate tax rates was reduced two years ago from 28 to 27%. And government actually introduced a further caveat in the tax legislation to offset um, loss, previous losses built up. So the Treasury is still sitting, even with the reduced rates, Treasury is sitting with a null effect. It doesn't have a negative impact on the fiscus um, by reducing the rate. So that is, um, that's the one thing that is, uh, th that's there. Uh, certain taxes will be increased. We cannot bypass it. Nicotine products, tobacco products, alcohol, we we're heading for an increase there. That's the annual. That's taxes always get hit and they make, uh, they make ripples for about 20 minutes and then life just goes on as per normal. Yep. So for individuals, I think the biggest change that we'll probably see is a lower than average or lower than inflation bracket creep, uh, oh, where wow. the tax brackets get adjusted annually. It has happened before in the last five years that the adjustment hasn't been the full inflationary adjustment. And that is one of the ways government can increase revenue without necessarily officially raising tax rates. So well, that is something that break. they can consider. Philip, sorry to interrupt you. We need to take no a problem. break. But when we come back, I want to discuss bracket creep a little bit more because it's just something that is often discussed with me. People often ask me about um, increase in salaries and grosses and nets. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. And I'd just like to say that almost every week I read out an advert for Discam. And that simply means that Discam is a major supporter of Chai FM. And we all support Discam, I think, just by default. But every time you go in and spend money, you need to realize that that money somehow makes its way back to the community and in our community via Chai FM. So a massive thank you to everybody for supporting them and a massive thank you to Chai FM, um, to, to Discam for supporting Chai FM. Philip Yobe, let's come back to you just to reiterate. Philip Yobe is a manager 
at the South Africa Institute of Professional Accounting Accountants, the Center of Tax Excellence. Philip, we were talking about one of the measures that the government has in the upcoming budget is to manage the tax bracket creep. In other words, the, the different brackets on which tax is um, segmented into. Because what bracket creep is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is where somebody gets so excited because their salary is increased. And all that happens is they get pushed into the next tax bracket. So they get taxed at a higher rate. And the reality is that the net take home is almost marginally insignificant, or in some cases could even be slightly less. Have I got it right? Uh, yes and no, sir. So um, yes, bracket creep is exactly what you said, but how government applies it through, from a budget perspective is expecting, you, if you earn a salary of 100,000 Rand a year, your expected tax rate is 18%. Now, as you get an increase, um, you, it could potentially, like you mentioned, throw you into a higher tax bracket. But government doesn't actually want that. They want the same amount of purchasing power back in the market. Yeah. So they adjust the tax brackets as well for that same average inflationary rate. So what might happen in this budget is that that adjustment from government side to the various bracket levels is slightly lower. So there is a higher chance that somebody might jump from one tax bracket to the next and actually, as you said, come out with a little bit, a little bit more or even a little bit less at the end of the month. Right. So by, by sort of manipulating that and keeping them stable or just increasing slightly, they make sure that the spending power of the individual remains the same. Well, that's the ideal, yes. Correct. Okay, Philip, before we get back to the rest of the things you wanted to discuss, um, there's two or three people coming through with interesting messages to say that can government not spend less in certain areas that don't have a direct impact on the population. Some people are suggesting like foreign affairs, um, our missions around the world. Other people are saying embassies in countries that we don't trade too much with. Are those not areas that government could spend less on um, because they don't really affect the South African citizen directly? I'm not quite sure, I'm just reading the question. What do you feel about that? Unfortunately, I can't comment too much about that. However, it should just be noted that National Treasury and SARS basically work, almost works as a debt collection agency. So each department, whether it's uh, the Department of International Relations or Department of Health, they submit their budget proposals to the Minister of Finance and he allocates funding based on their requests. Now, a lot of these funding and uh, these project plans are actually built more into the medium term. So a three, three to five year period that that's in the budget. So these funds and everything get allocated beforehand. So it will take a while for any of those recommendations to filter through into the budget and into the um, how Fiscus is spending the money. Okay, so let's get back into the, the um, to the meat of it. Is there anything that you feel besides, you know, people always look at the tax rates, people always look at the sin taxes, People look at things like estate duty, transfer duty. Is there anything else that you feel that is maybe routine on a, on a normal budget that might be slightly more pronounced this year? I'm not expecting anything major and material at the moment. Um, there are a lot of requests that have gone through to the minister 
um, either via the public consultations or even uh, what I've seen some of our members submit to uh, to us to, to forward on to the minister. Um, but I think the biggest thing is we need a government that's more focused on job creation, infrastructure development, and support for the SMEs. If your SMEs are your are, are the backbone of the South African economy, yes, we've got your major corporates that do a lot, but the biggest employers are the SMEs. So we do hope that things like the uh, learnership allowance that is set to expire at the end of on the first of March, twenty twenty four. So literally at the end of the month. Um, is actually brought back into the fold. Because unlike, for example, the employment tax incentive and uh, the president's employment schemes and everything that's been going on, uh, the leadership allowance actually does goes a step further by upskilling and reskilling employees, incentivizing employers to do that. So that gives, again, the ripple effect of somebody being taught something, going out into market, starting his own business, adding more, employing people, upskilling them, and it, it just keeps on going. And that's the kind of direction we should be heading in. Um, I do believe this budget is going to be more of a, let's wait and see what happens. We need, we've got X that we need to do. Let's focus on what, what's done there before we start anything major. Now, Philip, one thing you put out in the press release is that we need a, bus, uh, a budget that fosters and enables a business environment. I think it will inspire business confidence and encourage investment. What do what type of overtures do we need to hear in the budget that would do just that? The, the, the type of things that we need is the, the focus on infrastructure development, getting ESCOM sorted, getting our ports and railways working properly so that we can, can actually have all the commodity exports that we need. Even though a part of our revenue decline in the last uh, financial year was due to low commodity prices, South Africa was even further on the back foot by not being able to get the coal and the iron ore and all of that exported. So we need to focus on those things. There needs to be a, a, a big focus on proper infrastructure development. Um, government has extended the incentive for research and development, which is great, but we need, it needs to be applied further and for, for more types of industries. Um, we need policies that actually do foster employment and incentivize people to employ other uh, employ more people. We need to get our employment rate down in order to get this economy boosted. That's going to be the biggest challenge that we've got. And we need to see the policies that will support that. Besides policies, Philip, um, it's also important that we have tax authorities, SARS, that is well-run and efficient. And we all know that SARS was the darling of South Africa for many years, having got things so right under, under Provin Garden where it was easy, e-filing came on, people were able to do their taxes and, and things were really efficient. And then we went through the dark Zuma years where we literally crept back into the dark ages overnight. And it's taken SARS a, a while to sort of get itself back together. Are we back up and running from an efficiency point of view? I believe we're about 80, 90% there to get back to that full efficiency that we had. Uh, the commissioner with the deputy commissioners that have been appointed um, over the last couple of years, there has been a clear turnaround at SARS. Uh, the amount of enforcement that we've been seeing coming through from SARS, um, yes, they get thumped on the nose as well here and there, um, but that just shows you how SARS is willing to do their part to make sure we comply. And one of the biggest things that SARS has been driving, and a lot of, a lot of South Africans won't actually see it like that, 
is voluntary compliance. At the moment, SARS nags you more before they start penalizing you. So the moment we as South Africans actually change our attitude towards voluntary compliance, we already see a difference. Um, if you don't fight with SARS on every little thing, um, it doesn't mean that everything that SARS does is right, uh, but we'll get there. Um, it's, it's not whole, definitely. The introduction, reintroduction of the high net worth, in the, uh, high net worth um, on the large business units, all of that um, focus, yeah. puts the focus where it's needed. And that will really help with efficiencies going forward. You know, Philip, it, it's an interesting thing. Um, I sit on a, on, on a board with, uh, with different people from different parts of the world. And I'm hearing, um, you know, just complaints coming through about how nitpicking certain tax agencies around the world have been. And here I'm talking about Canada, maybe in, in, in particular, where people did things and um, you know, submitted everything. And now they're taking those requests and those submissions all the way down to the nth degree. And people are just turning on and saying, like, why? And they're revenue services are turning around and saying because we can you've submitted this we would like to make sure that the whole process is being done and people are complying um not you know not with a smile on the face but their things things are getting done and i think it's important for south africans to realize that sars is actually a very very efficient tax collecting agency um you know uh, from if you compare it to around the world their systems are available. The online system really, really works. I think one area where SARS um, does irritate people, and especially corporates, is the time they take to come back on a query on an issue, where you know it's 21 days, and sometimes it can be longer. And they tend to stick to those SLAs, those service level agreement times, and that can irritate people. But one thing that we need to know is that they are really on par with their efficiencies across the world and they run a very good um, department there's very few individual taxpayers that you will find that find the system long and laborious which uh which i think is a great feather in the in the, in the hat of sars what do you, how do your members see it um, there, I have to be 100% honest with you. Um, we do fight, still have a continuous battle with SARS. Um, the service level agreements, the turnaround times in the service charter that SARS has published, they don't always stick to it. And sometimes SARS needs a bit of nudging, but that, that's also been improving over the last three, four years. Um, just the way the resources are allocated, where the focus are. Um, SARS not necessarily allowing as many walk-in appointments as much as that irritated people, especially in the beginning of the lockdown period that you now need to do, must do everything online and e-filing. The way that SARS has developed those systems almost, and that, that's probably one of SARS's biggest goals in the long term, is that you don't need to speak to a person. Everything will be able, you'll be able to do everything online. And especially, I come from a generation of tax practitioners as well where you pop next door to the SARS office and you got things sorted. And because of issues that happened during the, the Tomoyani period, um, those privileges have been revoked, if I want to put it that way. But SARS didn't just take them away. They introduced different methods of communication. And they have been working. Yes, there's been some teething problems and not everything's always online all the time. But it's so much better than what it was five years ago, four years ago. Um, just 
deal interacting with SARS. And obviously, there's also other methods that SARS brought in, like the complaint system, that I don't believe taxpayers actually make enough use of, whether you're a tax practitioner or a taxpayer dealing with SARS directly. SARS so brought these in to kickstart processes if it takes too long. But for the most part, um, SARS's AI technology, everything is, an, is, I almost want to say, a bit too strict on their risk management policies. And that's why you see an increase in all these verifications that take 20, more than the 21 days. And that's what, what is irritating a lot of people. You know, again, that's sort of a, a victim of their own success, putting things into place and then just making sure that they run and they run efficiently, which is a whole um, a whole department that's necessary to make sure that happens. And Philip, we're starting to run out of time and we still got a few things that I want to ask you and I see there are questions coming in. Um, the the last thing that I want to discuss on a, on a big uh, level, on a macro level, is the triple threat, threat facing our economy. We all know that South Africa has a major challenge with poverty, inequality, and unemployment. Um, how do you see those impacting on the budget? Well, one of South Africa's biggest budget line items is our social wage. So that is our social grants that we give to the poor and indignant and the elderly. And that is where we need to work on. Um, we need to be able to uplift people out of their current positions and become more and become an active contributing member of society. Um, if you want to think about it in the sense of a subsistence farmer just growing some veggies for himself, having a chicken with his to lay his eggs for his breakfast. If the moment you have more chickens, you can actually supply the people next to them. And it's a bit of a mind, mindset change. Um, it's education. And that's where our, our government needs to really step up to help people help themselves and not try and do it themselves. I think that's where we our government st gets stuck a little bit. You know, Philip, um, I've just seen a question come through and it comes from a lady called Noctula. She says, I don't listen to the budget. I don't care about the budget as it makes no difference in my life whatsoever. Um, my knee-jerk reaction to that would be it might not impact you directly in the way that you think it should or would, but by not listening or not reading thereafter, you are more of a part of the problem than the solution because you don't have the knowledge necessary in order to make inf um, informed decisions going forward. Why, why would you feel that it's important for the average South African to at least read a summary of the budget afterwards? The, the South African budget is, actually impacts every citizen directly, as much as you might think not. If the VAT increases, you will walk uh -huh. into the shop the next day and you will pay more for whatever you want to buy. But it also affects South Africa more on a global scale. Um, our rating agencies look at how, uh, the budget and how the money is being spent and allocated and all of that. And that has an impact on what you as an individual can do in the end. That might, if we get downgraded even further, you might struggle to actually be able to get financing for the home that you're building or that you want to build. All of that does have an impact. So it is very important. Even if you don't want to drill down into the detail of, this project has been allocated 3 million rand for that. Uh, you don't have to go in there into that kind of minute detail. But there is so much happening 
in that budget that will affect everyday South Africans, that you you would be part of the problem if you don't actually know what's happening around you, because you, you can't make the informed decision like you said. Philip, I'm going to speak to Mbali and let's see if we can't get you back, not next week, but the week after, once the budget is done, once the, du- the dust has settled. And uh, if you'd maybe just give us a brief synopsis as to as to how it went, whether your predictions were pretty much on track, and whether there's anything from there that sort of blows the mind. I remember in the early days of uh, Trevor Manuel, you know, every time he gave the budget, the whole country celebrated. Tax rates came down, tax on retirement came down, and he really gave a, a, a budget that helped to pull the economy and the country forward, and he bucked the popularist view. I think it's a different world at the moment. So would you be happy to to come on and uh, unpack it for us? Definitely so. Fantastic. Philip, um, thank you so much, and uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, I uh, wish you everything best with your predictions going forward. And I'm sure that next weekend, not this one, the following, your family will be looking to forward to seeing you again once uh, the budget is done, because then uh, – you might be able to have a little bit more time for yourself, but thank you for all the hard work. Um, I personally have interacted with your association um, recently from uh, you know some issues that I've had. Things were sorted out very quickly and very efficiently. So uh, thank you to to Cyper for that, and we'll speak to you in a in a week's time. Awesome, thank you very much, Avi. Great. Thank you very much. Craig, thank you so much for pushing the buttons. Next week, we're going to be unpacking what the downgrade to Israel's sovereign debt really means. doesn't mean mean anything. We know South Africa has had a series of downgrades. How did that go for it? What did it impact South Africa? How did it impact South Africans? How is this one going to impact Israel? And how is it going to impact the budget that Israel has to spend on the diaspora, especially for example, departments like Aliyah departments, departments like the South African Zionist Federation, if they get budget from, from Israel, we'll pack it out next week. Craig, thanks so much for pushing the buttons. Philip, thank you so much for joining us. We will speak to you next week.